welcome back to Kyle's Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the Witcher short story, The Lesser Evil, uh, in the Last Wish collection. So this is perhaps one of the most famous short stories. I would argue probably the most famous. Um, it is one, it is widely popular. It is often considered a fan favorite. Most people really love this story. I do too. It's a really goddamn good one. Um, and really emotionally affecting, and we have seen it repeated throughout the franchise multiple times. Not only are the core themes of this story, you know, going to be expanded upon in the overarching saga, which I will get to when I get to it, but also, like, uh, the Hexer, the 2002 show, built up to this story and spread it out over multiple episodes, uh, the Netflix show adapted it for the very first episode. The video games adapt it multiple times, actually, from a premium module in uh, Witcher 1. Uh, a, a side quest, a couple side quests uh, throughout the games um, sprinkled here and there. And then, of course, uh, the DLC Blood and Wine for Witcher 3. Uh, so to say that the lesser evil uh, has been kind of uh, bandied about in the Witcher uh, franchise is notable and is probably why it's the most famous. Um, it is a tragedy. A tragedy because this all could have been avoided and maybe our hero accidentally caused the massacre. Uh, it is not a, you know, it, it's not a happy story. It's, it, it's, it is a very dark and twisted take on Snow White. And the thing about this is that it's an incredibly relatable tale. Um, it has fantastic elements. You know, it's got wizards and towers that you can't get into and curses and all that jazz. But in reality, it's just a story of revenge. And where does revenge end and justice begin? Sounding familiar? Passing Through Gethsemane, Season 3, Babylon 5. Um, that's the issue here, is when is revenge justified? Can it be justified? Um, are Stregobor or, or Renfi right, wrong, in between? Does it matter? Um, you are stuck between a rock and a hard place, much like Geralt, as you try and navigate this quagmire of morality. There is no simple answer here. Um, it's easy and I think, frankly, ludicrous to uh, look at this story and go, well, Winfrey was right. She was, she was abused. She was raped. She was poisoned. She was left for dead. She was persecuted. She is justified in her actions. No, she is not. And I am so tired of people claiming that, not only for this story, but for similar situations in the real world or other fictional uh, universes. Just because one person got hurt does not mean they are justified in hurting another person because they are angry. It does not justify it. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth will eventually lead to a world that is eyeless and toothless. And that, right there, is the rub of the story. Can you believe these accounts? Can you trust them? No, you can't. Renfri is biased. Stregobor is biased. Everyone in this story is biased. 
And so Geralt has to navigate this horrible quagmire of morality and ultimately makes a choice to save lives. And when he does it, he accidentally leads to something far worse than he expected. There is an idea in this that will be explored later in the saga, but I, I want to get into it. Uh, and I'm not going to put it in the spoiler section um, simply because it's a widely known fact of this uh, series. <laughs> Ironic word there. Uh, Geralt is going to have an adopted daughter named Ciri, who's also a princess, who also comes from a particular, you know, heritage, um, and is uh, persecuted for this fact, and um, must learn to survive and do horrible things to survive. And there's this question, as we go throughout the saga, is Ciri good or evil? Has she, where is she on that spectrum? Can we even judge? Uh, and Sapkowski actually has a point to this. There's a scene in Lady of the Lake where he says, at this point, Ciri is evil. But she will be redeemed uh, through love, basically. Um, and so this is a microcosm of the series story, effectively, is can someone be redeemed that has gone all the way down to the depths of hell um, what justifies action? Can survival within of itself be used to justify heinous acts? Uh, you know, uh, Aladdin, you know, uh, gotta eat to live, gotta steal to eat. You know, can you justify it? Uh, and so that's where this entire story goes through, um, is... You got Geralt talking with Stregobor, and Stregobor talks about the Curse of the Black Sun, and how he witnessed all these like weird mutations, and uh, and he and he heard about um, you know Rinfri torturing uh, people and uh, and, and uh, hurting other things, and, and sort of showing signs of increased violence. But all of this comes with the 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 notion that it is all him saying it, so it's colored from his brains, his biases. In addition, we see multiple times throughout the story that he is an underlying misogynist. Uh, you know, he, the him casually having a bunch of naked women picking apples uh, in his little tower just because it's easier. You know, and it, it provides a nice distraction. And he even talks about how you can fuck them basically and there's and, and he's and he constantly refers uh to uh Renfri as a monster and is showing underlying senses of that there is a personal motive beyond the curse of the black sun and maybe it is colored by an intense hatred towards women and so you have the situation where Everything Stregobor says has to be taken, uh, you know, at the grain of salt. But it also has to be taken at face value because there's no other counterpoint. There's no other reference point for this story. Uh, in addition, the Curse of the Black Sun was a prophecy done by a madman uh, that many uh, wizards have rejected at this point. So who's to say if that prophecy is even worth listening to? 
who knows? To to quote Veer from Babylon Five, a prophecy is only just a really calculated a good a good calculated guess, uh, and uh, if it comes true. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful guess. If if it's proven false, then it's only a metaphor. And then, on the flip side, you got Renfrey, who uh, justifies everything through the lens of what happened. She's like, I was locked in a tower. Nice, you know, Rapunzel and Snow White references here. Uh, you know, I was raped by a huntsman. Uh, I was poisoned with an apple. Um, you know, uh there's all this idea here where it wasn't a curse but instead her circumstances that she had to fight to survive and in that case is she a monster uh and if she is a monster was she a monster driven by magical curse related stuff or is she a monster out of abuse uh perpetrated on her and so there's no real way to gauge this because, once again, her uh, account has to be taken with a grain of salt, but also at face value. And so you have to navigate it between there. And uh, the entire time, basically, you know, Geralt is just trying to figure out what the hell he's supposed to do. Uh, and they both use the exact same verbiage to get him to go to their side, you know, you killed a Kikamore, Kikamore is, you know, uh, is, is a creature that kills to eat, or Renfri is worse because she kills for pleasure, or Stregobor is worse because he tortures for pleasure, uh, you know, there is this implication that they are no better than each other, that they are, to steal another phrase from Babylon 5, obsessed with each other so much that death is all that remains and death is all they deserve. Um, you know, that the cycles of violence can be perpetrated in many, many levels. And what we have here is a very small scale, very personal. It's not racial. It's not anything of that sort. Instead, it is simply the hatred between one man and one woman and how they are so obsessed with getting back at each other. Where does revenge and injustice begin that... They will do anything to get someone on their side, kill the other one, end of story. And that leads to, um, you know, lots and lots of death if they aren't careful. Matter of fact, you know, Stregobor, uh, you know, uh, talks about how he performed all these experiments and knocked the peoples away in towers. So there's this implication, you know, along with his misogyny, that he is a monster. But then you have... Uh, Rinfrey, who's gained this nickname, Shrike. Shrike is a type of butcher bird that uh, impales, uh, you know, its prey on little spikes, basically, and lets them die in slow agony before it eats them. It's known for showing no mercy. Um, and, and so that entire idea is that she hates that name, but she gained that name through whether it's rumor or not, she still gained that name. Hell, uh, you know, j just looking at the people she travels with, they are bigoted assholes. Uh, you know, they all have these, uh, the, these, uh, you know, senses about them that they are not perfect or good in any stretch of the imagination. Hell, one of them was at the Tridom Ultimatum. 
or at least so the rumor goes. And the Trident Ultimatum is an interesting thing because it's a very, actually a very common hostage, uh, you know, technique in the real world. But in here, you know, it, it actually has a uh, name. Um, uh, basically, these bandits took these hostages uh, because they wanted their friend freed from this town jail. Uh, and they said they would kill each hostage one by one until their friend was freed. Uh, eventually, the mayor capitulated, released the friend, uh, but, you know, in, in order to spare the hostages, but a lot of hostages were already dead. So, the it set a, it set a dangerous precedent, the lesser evil, as it were. Uh, you know, that, is there is there a way to negotiate between two evils? Can you make the wrong choice for the right reasons? Can you make the right choice for the wrong reasons as well? Uh, it is all about perspective uh, and uh, your own sense of morality. Uh, morality is a long and twisted uh, subject, uh, and I'm not here to philosophize on it. Uh, but people over thousands and thousands of years have been trying to figure out morality, and at the end of the day, it's hard to even define what in uh, what is right and what is wrong for most people because they each have different justifications for each and so when Geralt is you know stuck in a situation he says his very famous uh line evil is evil lesser greater middling it's all the same uh you know if I'm to choose between one evil and another I'd rather not choose at all uh this is perhaps one of Geralt's most famous lines it's something that repeated in pretty much every adaptation um, and the thing with it is that it is indicative of who Geralt is and where he's going as a character. Um, you have someone who tries to remain neutral. He is just a tool. I talked about this, you know, uh, in, uh, the, uh, in the Man short story, the, the Witcher short story. He knows he's a tool. And so he plays towards that. It, you know, there's almost the sense uh, that witchering to him is a performance he must engage in, uh, and he's kind of stuck in it. It's an illusion that he puts around himself to kind of stop himself from examining the situations and the moral quagmires and the emotions he's feeling because he'd much rather just get on with his life because he's tired of it effectively. Um, and, and, and so... Uh, he created a Witcher code. There is no real Witcher code, and, uh, and th this is explicitly stated in the Voice of Reason, which I'm covering separately, but I think it is relevant to this story, so I'll go ahead and bring it up here. You know, there is no Witcher code. He That's bullshit. He made it up himself, because he, being the person he is, has to have a sense of morality somewhere, has to have a sense of honor and duty and justice somewhere in his life and his life is miserable it's horrible and it's often not pretty it's dirty it's miserable so within that line he has to create some sort of semblance of comfort so he created a witch's code that basically says take no part in politics you know he hates politics in general anyway don't don't interfere remain neutral in all situations pretend to be an emotionless robot basically you know don't don't show yourself to be anything other than what they assume you to be uh do right by other people as much as you can uh, and uh, ensure that uh, 
the way you take down the monsters is the correct way. Uh, you know, and it's it's all for his benefit. And so when he is, you know, a normal Witcher could have theoretically taken up Stregobor or Renfrey on their offers. Hell, back in the Weechman short story, we heard about a Witcher who uh, took the bribe. Uh, and of course, he bit, he bit the bullet for it, but he did uh, take a bribe, implying that, uh, you know, Witchers are not exactly morally respectable people, usually. Geralt may just be the exception here. Uh, and so he's kind of stuck in this situation where it's like, if I stick to my code, I can't interfere. Uh, but the situation has to be stopped, otherwise people are going to get killed. Uh, and so he goes and he does what he has to do because he believes after the the the, the building sense of dread throughout the story as Renfri and Stregovor, you know, keep pushing him towards one side or the other. And then he, he hears the gang mention about the market tomorrow and the uh, and then the Trident ultimatum is confirmed for him. You know, he goes and he deals with the situation uh, and he deals with Renfri's gang. You know, there was no question whether they were going to do something or not. They're, they were already hungry for a fight. Whether they would listen to their bosses is another question. Who knows? But he dispatches them, trying to stop the massacre before it happens, ultimately causing a massacre, you know, by his onesies, basically. And then Renfri shows up. And Renfri plays on two different aspects. First, she slept with him. Uh, the previous night. Uh, the reason for this is it's a classic manipulation, uh, you know, thing. She sensed within Geralt a lonely, distant man who craves companionship. So she took advantage of that. Uh, when someone is like that, and there has been psychological tests to show that when you sleep with someone, there is like some sort of bond formed between you two where it, it's uh, the biochemical reaction where you're you're naturally more uh, more inclined to act favorably towards this person because your brain is taught to see that person as the progenitor of your legacy that is the entire point of sex in the first place is you know to bear children to procreate and so there's this biochemical reaction which is you know the first steps of love in some cases, um, and uh, it, and so she's trying to play on that to make sure that girl doesn't come and hurt her, and then she's and then she tells the story about how Stregobor laughed in her face, that uh, you know he would have never came down, and she uh, she would have slaughtered the entire town of Blaviken, and nothing would have happened, nothing would have changed, it would have been all for naught. And so there would have been no massacre. Now the question is, is she telling the truth or not? We don't know. And we will never know. But what matters is that Geralt forced her hand. That maybe he, she would have taken his advice and left Blaviken. The only way to break this cycle of revenge, to prove that she is not the monster everyone says she is, would to be renounce her revenge and leave Blaviken and go somewhere else. Live her life. Finally be the princess she is supposed to be. 
and not defined by what this person and what this curse, supposed curse, did to her. She does not. She may have, who knows, but Geralt going to the market to save the people, genuinely believing that they were going to attack the town, that the Trident Ultimatum was going to be redone here, he took action to his own hands. He chose, in his mind, the lesser evil. He stopped being neutral. He chose the town. He didn't choose Stregobor. He didn't choose Renfrey. He chose the town. And by doing that, he caused the massacre. And can he live with that? Can he live with the knowledge that he killed this woman who had the choice and the opportunity and may have potentially left, may have ended this vicious cycle of revenge? Can he live with the fact that he let this misogynistic asshole known as Stregobor get hold of the one person that he wanted to get hold of, that he got the revenge he wanted, that he got what he wanted? Uh, you know, uh, that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who was right and who was wrong, Stregobor or Renfri, what matters is who is dead and who is alive and who is suffering. And so, Geralt is stuck with this and it hurts him you know we see at the end where he threatens stregobor he's like don't touch a hair on her head otherwise your head will be rolling on the flagstones beneath you know he he is angry he is bitter it should have never gotten to this point they were so obsessed that they all led right here and it could have ended if she had just left or stregobor had given up but instead, they were so dug in their heels, so full of anger and bitterness and hatred and revenge, that all that mattered was that one must die for the other to live. And sadly, that is so understandable. How many people can you think of in this real world that would take that opportunity, would not renounce their revenge? I can name several. I know it is a common problem with us as a human race, that we are almost unable to let go of these strong emotions. We are unable to see uh, the truth of the matter. Um, and so, you know, revenge and anger and anguish fester. So we're using their negative emotions. And until they become a ball of nothing but hatred. And that can lead to some pretty horrible stuff down the line. Uh, in order to be better, we must learn to let go. Uh, sadly, that has never happened in a thousand years of, you know, human history or however long we've been around. And uh, it will never happen because we are too stubborn and selfish. Um, and this can take many forms. We saw it the personal here. We're going to see it on the racial line on Edge of the World uh, here in a couple episodes. So, like, that's that's the tragedy of this story. Is that it didn't have to end this way. It shouldn't have ended this way. But it did. Because we as humans are failed creations. We are flawed beings. And maybe, just maybe... We should try and be the better angels of our nature. And who knows exactly what that means for Geralt. It means 
trying to do the right thing, whether he's going to end up doing that or not. He's going to, over the course of the saga, be brought to call for his neutrality, for his inability to take the choice between the lesser evil, refusing to choose one evil over another. He will be called out on this. He will be broken. He will be forced to choose, otherwise more people will die. And at the end of the day, the choice becomes, do you save lives of everyone? Do you choose uh, to do the right thing or the wrong thing? Or do you choose love and family? Where can you go in this world? What matters to you? Being just and right and fair? Being, you know, selfish and powerful? Or just living? Where do you go? Who do you want to be? Renfrey made her choice. She made her choice and is now dead for it. Stregovor made his choice. He now got exactly what he wanted, but is now, you know, uh, hated by a man he thought could respect him. Uh, and Geralt is now haunted by what he did, knowing that it could have ended differently if perhaps he had chosen in the first place. Maybe choosing the lesser evil causes the greater evil to win out. Or maybe, just maybe, it didn't matter and it was always going to end up this way. Or maybe, just maybe, we could have been better. Who knows? Such a good short story. So wonderful. So tragic. So emotional. It's something that is debated about. You know, some people come away and say Rimfried was in the right. Some people say Stregobor was in the right. It. I think that's the strength of the story. Uh, is that it provides enough evidence for both of them to be right and wrong at the same time. I think that's a string of story that each person can come away with it with their different opinions. My personal opinion, they were both wrong. They were both monsters. And uh, Geralt tried to do his best and ended up causing the massacre in the first place. Thus, is he a monster as well? I think that is the question at the heart of the story. There was no good guys in this story. There was no hero. There was no villain. There was just people. But anyway, thus passes probably the most famous Witcher short story. Thank you for joining me. See you next time. Till then, bye. <laughs>